For the rest of us, we're going to continue our sermon series through the Gospel of Luke today. The Gospel of Luke. If you have your paper version of your Bible or the online version Bible app, I encourage you to uh, open that up to Luke chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 10. This is a very familiar passage that if you've been in church, or you've been a believer for any amount of time, you probably know that Jesus fed 5,000 people and he multiplied one little boy's lunch from five loaves of bread and two fish into feeding thousands and thousands of people. But did you know the context of which this happens? This is really interesting. This is why I think it's so important that we know the context. And oftentimes, I enjoy going through whole books of the Bible because we can see the context of this. You see, last week we talked about the beginning of chapter 9, which involved Jesus sending his disciples out. It's a trial run. It's uh, part of the apprentice process that Jesus uses with his disciples to train them. And he challenged them to go out, the 12 disciples, to go out and to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And so what's going to happen now is they're going to come back. They're going to start talking to Jesus about how all that went and how all that happened. And then Jesus is going to go and say, all right, now let's get to work again. Let's go and let's continue this process. And so actually at the beginning of this, it's very similar language that's used here that Jesus is proclaiming the kingdom of God and he's healing those in need. And then the disciples find a problem though. People get hungry. Take a look. It's right here in Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 10. This is what it says. On the return, the apostles told him all that they had done. And he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. When the crowds learned it, they followed him and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. There's that language there. He spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who needed healing. Now, the day began to wear away, and the twelve came and said to him, Send the crowd away and to go into the surrounding villages and the countryside to find lodging and to get provisions, for we are here in a desolate place. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. They said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we're going to go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. And he said to the disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so and had all of them sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. And then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up, 12 baskets of broken pieces. We're going to talk about this and what this means for our lives. Before we do that, though, we're going to go to prayer. I do want to tell you something about this passage, though. This is a really interesting passage because this is the only miracle outside of Jesus' uh, resurrection and ascension that is recorded in every gospel account, all four gospel accounts. This is the only miracle out of all of them that is recorded in every single one. It's an important one, and I think it's important that we understand it. So we're going to go to prayer. We're just going to ask God to soften our hearts to whatever it is that he has for us. But I really want to encourage you for this one. This one's really important. So pray with me, if you will. Father, we just thank you so much. We thank you so much for everything you've done for us, for your perfect word, for the access that we have to it. And God, I just pray that you, would, again, soften our hearts. 
Soften our hearts to whatever it is that you would have for us. Because we don't want to just be listeners of the word, but we want to be doers, as the book of James says. But we don't want to just sit in church and listen and go uh, and leave unaffected, but God, that you would affect our lives, that you would make us more and more like you and less and less like us. That you would draw us into a deeper relationship with you, Jesus, through your word. Help us to do that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, um, have you ever been overwhelmed by a problem? And I don't mean a personal problem, right? We're uh, many times overwhelmed by that, but maybe by a need of someone else. Maybe you have a neighbor who is a single mother and you look over at her house and it's all a mess. And every time they get into the minivan, I mean, things are just crazy and chaotic. And you're thinking, man, I, I, I see that need. I want to help. I just don't know how. Maybe it's less individual and more of a corporate corporate problem. Maybe you're going through downtown South Bend and you're uh, looking and you're seeing a lot of homeless people and you're thinking, man, there's a problem here. There is a need here. I feel like I would like to help that. I feel compassion for these people. I feel God leading me towards that, but I just don't know what to do. I don't know how to get started. I don't know. I mean, what can I even do? I mean, I'm just one person, right? What can I do to help in this situation? Many times we get overwhelmed by this and we, uh, default into two, uh, one, one of two things. Uh, first, we just ignore the problem, right? I mean, have you ever been driving down the road? Maybe you're on Ireland in Michigan. You come to a stoplight because for some reason, that intersection, you always hit a red light and there's a person next to you with a cardboard sign. That doesn't look like they've showered in a while. What do you do? Well, I, I mean, if we're honest with each other, and I'm not endorsing this, but if we're honest with each other, many times we just hold on to the wheel Look straight forward. Don't make eye contact. Or, oh, oh better yet, the, the, the radio station went on a commercial. I got to play with the radio to get some music that I need, right? And we just kind of ignore the problem. Or we default and we don't ignore it. We acknowledge the problem, but we don't do anything about it. We just complain to people. Man, have you been through downtown South Bend? Look at all those homeless people. You know what? You know what would help? A different political party. Yep, yep. If somebody else was in office, that would, it would fix all the problems. It'd magically disappear. And uh, we have a much better place. So I'm going to vote for somebody else next time, right? And we default into either ignoring it or we just complain about it. What if just as last week we talked about, that Jesus, with his disciples, wants to accomplish a mission. That God's mission here on earth is that all are saved, right? 2 Peter 3, 9, we know this verse, that God's will is for every person to come into a saving relationship with himself. He's on that mission, and he's inviting us to come along that mission with him, to grow in our relationship with him, to accomplish this, to bring the kingdom of God here. What if just as Jesus turned to his disciples in this passage of scripture and he says, you give them something to eat. What if God is turning to each and every one of us and he's saying, you fix it. You fix this problem. You fix this need that's been on your heart. Whether it be an individual need or it be a corporate need. What if Jesus is turning to each and every one of us and he's saying, you fix it. You go out. I've given you resources. You go out and do this. And I will be with you, Jesus. Uh, Jesus, as he uh, ascends, he, he gives a great commission to his disciples. And he says, hey, I am with you always to the end of the age. He says, hey, I'm going to be with you, but I want for you to help accomplish this with me. What if he's turning to each and every one of us and saying that, just as he does to his disciples here in this passage? 
You see, many times we look at this passage and we say, oh man, the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, this is amazing. This is a a picture of what God can do, of what he can accomplish, right? I mean, this is just an amazing picture. And, uh, you know, we should just look at this and go, man, God can accomplish a lot of things. He can do a lot of things. And that is definitely a takeaway that I think is important from this passage. But I think what's even more important is that if we take this in context, and remember, all four of the gospel accounts have this miracle involved with it, and two of them, in fact, the only two that involve the sending out of the 12, have it directly following the sending out of the 12. And so we can think of this and go, okay, so if there's a timeline here, the disciples went out, Jesus got them back, they talked about it, and immediately they went into this. This place where Jesus, there's this crowd coming all around him and the disciples are looking at this crowd and it's awesome. Jesus is preaching to them. He's healing them. But the day starts to go on. And what happens when the day goes on? You get hungry. And the disciples get this. The disciples are seeing other people. And many times we paint them in kind of a bad light with this uh, passage specifically, right? We go, man, the disciples had no faith. They had, they had a couple of, you know, fish and five loaves of bread. Shouldn't they have given this to Jesus and just expected him to do this? I think that's unfair to ask that of the disciples. I think actually that they do some really good things. We see that the disciples have compassion on the crowd. Jesus has given them his compassionate heart here. I think that's really good. They're looking at this and going, hey, people are getting hungry. We are in a desolate place. That's their words. We're in a desolate place. There's no food for them. There's no restaurants. There's no lodging. The day's getting done, right? It's probably about 6 p.m. The day's getting done. They know what's going to happen. People are going to be upset. They're going to be angry. They're going to get hungry, and this is just not going to end well. So let's just send them away now. They feel compassion. Take a look in verse 12. They go up to Jesus, and they say, send the crowd away. Go into the surrounding villages and countryside, find lodging and get provisions, for we are here in a desolate place. And this is where Jesus just turns to him and goes, hey, you do it. You go feed him. Go off. Yeah, yeah, you, you do it. And they're like, dude, yeah, but we only have this one meal. You might say five loaves of bread. That's a lot for one meal. Actually, what a loaf of bread back then was, it's, 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 today we would really just consider it a biscuit. I mean, it's just one typical Uh, sack lunch. I mean, this would be like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and chips, all right? I mean, this is just a very typical uh, pack lunch that someone would have with them. And we don't know where this came from, from Luke's account, but from another account, we find that this is just a boy's meal that he brought along with him. And in fact, in another gospel account, one of the disciples goes after Jesus turns to them and said, hey, you do it. You feed them. We find that one of the apostles actually says to Jesus, dude, that would take like 200 denarii. A denarii was a day's wage. So, I mean, that's like 30, 40, 50,000 bucks. And if we're going to feed thousands and thousands of people, it probably would take that much because they only counted men back then. They didn't count the women and children. So many scholars would put the actual count at anywhere from 10 to 20,000 or even more people. And so when we look at this, we're like, yeah, actually, this is a huge problem. You got 20,000 people out in the countryside with no food around that are getting hungry. I, can, I mean, sometimes in my family, there are four people that are hungry and I get upset, right? Like, I mean, it, it's not a fun situation. I couldn't imagine 20,000 people. So the disciples actually, I think, turn to Jesus and do something that's good. They have compassion and they look at him and go, hey, Jesus, here's a possible solution. When you see a need, 
When you see a need out there and you're saying, man, I feel compassion on that. I feel God's leading me to start to help with this. When you see a need, I think that we could take a note from the disciples here. And we can look at what God has already given us and think of possible solutions. And we could say, all right, maybe, maybe it is the fact that God has already given me what I need in this instance to help, to fill this need, to fill this need in the way that God would like me to. Could it be that God's already actually given you what you need? Now, obviously, we know that this is not the case for the disciples. The disciples are thinking of possible ways to, to, to meet this need. But sometimes God's actually already given it to us. In the instance of uh, maybe a single mom who lives next to you, who's got her hands full. Maybe it's as simple as saying, hey, you know what? I got my mower out already. I'm going to come mow your lawn. Is that cool? I'm gonna, that way you don't have to take care of it. I know you have a hard time pulling that string and it takes you forever and you feel like your kids are going to get whacked with a rock. It's going to fling something at you. I'll just take care of it for you, okay? It'll make life a lot easier. Maybe it's something as simple as that. And just being faithful with what we have already been given. You know, the parable of the talents, Jesus says, there was a rich man, the master, and he gave to one person five talents, to another two, and to another one. And we all know the passage of scripture that to the person who has five, he doubled it, brought it back to the master. The person who had two doubled it, brought it back to the master. But the person who only had one actually just buried it. And when the master asked for it, he gave it back to him. And he said, hey, you're a wicked person. You have not been a good steward with what I have given to you. But to the one who had five and to the one who had two, the master had a good response. He said, he said this, well done good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. I think that we should all strive to be as faithful as possible with whatever God has given to us. That one day God will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. That we're simply faithful with what God has given to us, which 1 Corinthians says is a requirement. Look at this. This is how we should reg- uh, one should regard us as servants of Christ. And look at this, stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. We have to be faithful with what God has already given to us. And let's be honest. We could look at what the disciples did and say, you know what, that was kind of unfaithful. You, I mean, like you didn't ask Jesus to feed these people, but they're at least trying. They're at least trying to think of possible ways that they could fulfill this need. And here's the great testimony that they have at the end, that they can say, hey, listen, we tried. We tried everything. We thought about sending them away. We uh, took up a collection. All we got was one little kid's lunchable, right? I mean, we thought of different ways to feed these people. There was no way it was going to happen. And so at the end, they can say without a shadow of a doubt, this was a miracle that could only be accomplished by God. And when you do the research, when you do the hard work at the beginning, when you see a need, and at the end, God does something amazing, you can look back and go, no, 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 I did the research. I tried it. There was no way this is happening. It is absolutely only by an act of God that this need was met. That only happens if you do the hard work at the beginning to think of possible solutions of this. And oftentimes, those possible solutions are just a drop in the bucket, right? I mean, oftentimes, they just don't work, as is the case right here in Luke chapter 9. The disciples, I mean, they, I mean, all they have is one person's meal. 
they have probably 15, 20,000 people to feed. That's not going to work. And so Jesus turns to him and says, why don't you have everybody sit in groups of 50? And so they do that. And this is what happens. This is so cool. They did so, and they had them all sit down. And after taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. And he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up, 12 baskets of broken pieces. I think that's really important that we see that, 12 baskets of broken pieces. This means people ate as much as they possibly wanted. So much so that they couldn't even finish the loaf of bread that they were eating, right? That they're saying, man, this is, this is too much. Let's put it in the basket. And each disciple has a big basket of leftover food. I mean, people were completely satisfied. But here's what I want to point out to you. If there are 20,000 hungry people and you have one meal, do you think that you would give this meal away very easily? Uh, no, right? Like if there's 20,000 hungry people and I'm one of them and I got the fish and bread, uh, the selfish part of Josh says, I'm go like take this somewhere else and eat it, right? Like this, I, I'm hungry. I don't know about you, but that's what I would be doing, right? But the disciples don't do that. Somewhere, somehow Jesus gets a hold of this. The disciples must have handed this over to Jesus. And look at what Jesus does for it. He blesses it, he multiplies it, and the disciples distribute it. What do you do when you see a need? Well, you've already done the research. You've already done and seen what you have. What if you were able to take that to God, what you have, let him bless it, let him multiply it, and you just be faithful to distribute it and follow what he says? What if you could take what you've got and God could bless that and God could multiply that and you could just be faithful with it? Because we know that God could do amazing things. We looked at this verse a couple weeks ago, but I think it's so good. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, it says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we could ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Man, God is able to do far more abundantly than we could ever imagine. What if you could take what you have to God, let him bless it, let him multiply it, and you're just faithful, giving him all the glory throughout the process. Imagine what God could do. And you might be saying, yeah, but I just, ah, I don't have much. And the need is really really big. Like, uh, who am I to fix a homeless situation? Who am I to help all the people with food insecurities? Who am I to help all of these needs around me, both corporately and individually? How am I to help with this? The Old Testament uh, mandate from God was that everyone give a tenth of their portion. And so we follow that tradition today, that everyone give a tenth of their portion to tithe to God. They would put this tenth, uh, typically it was uh, in, 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 uh, in the case of food that they would bring a tenth of their crops and things like that. They would put that in a storehouse and they would use that to feed the people who uh, were in need, such as the widows and those in need. Look at what Malachi says. It says this in chapter three. It says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. 
if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. What if what God is asking of you is saying, hey, I know you don't have much. Put it in my hands. Let me bless it. Let me multiply it and put me to the test. I will prove faithful. Just as what what Malachi chapter three says, God says, hey, by doing so, you put me to the test and I will not let you down. I will be faithful. All your job is, is to do what I tell you to do. Put it in God's hands. Put what you have into God's hands and let him multiply it and let him bless it. I want to point out one more thing before we run out of time here in this, in this story. And this, I think, we typically overlook, but I think it's actually really important. It actually happens before Jesus multiplies the food. You see, they come to him with the problem. Jesus says, you feed them. They go, no, you don't understand. That's not a possibility. We don't have anything that we need. And Jesus goes, okay, split them up into groups of 50. Take a look at what verse 14 says. It says, for there were about 5,000 men, that doesn't include the women and children. And he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of 50 each. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm one of the disciples and I'm like, dude, you got like 20,000 hangry people over here, okay? Like this is not gonna end well. We don't know where, we're, well, I mean, where they're gonna sleep. I mean, this is not good, Jesus. You need to figure this out. Here's a possible solution. I don't know if it's gonna work. And Jesus just turns to me and goes, well, why don't you split them up in groups of 50? My response is gonna be, what good is that gonna do? What Groups of 50, they're already angry. I don't, I, listen, no, no, no. There's 20,000 people. That's like 400, is my mouth right? 400 groups. I don't know. I, I'm not great at math, but that's like a lot of groups, right? I mean, come on. That's, that's, that's a lot of people. And that's hard. It's not like they have PA systems, right? It's not like you come over the loudspeaker. Hey, I need you to all uh, split up. Can you like, there's roughly 50, you know, 51, 50, that's fine. But you know, if you, if you're over that far, you want to split up in the other group. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll have a 50, you spread out that way, your aisle way, nice and clean. I got to get food in here, right? Like, I mean, come on, they don't have that. They're just 12 dudes running around. Hey, um, this, uh, yep, right here, just a scrunch together. I know you're hungry and it, I know you're sweaty. Okay, just scrunch together. We need to make some aisles. It needs to be nice and neat. Come on, I mean, could you imagine this? You got 20,000 people, you're trying to do this with no speaker system? Are you kidding me? I think I'm looking to Jesus and going, Dude, no, this is, what are you crazy? Are you out of your mind? This is not going to happen. This, why? Why do you want this to happen, Jesus? But we don't see the disciples doing that, do we? We don't see to him, uh, we don't see them talking to Jesus and going, uh, why? Why do you want this to happen? And honestly, even in the text here, we don't get a reason. Why does Jesus want this? Well, we could theorize maybe it's easy, uh, easier to distribute the food this way. Maybe he's putting them in small group discussion pods. I mean, we have no idea why Jesus is doing this, and presumably neither do the disciples. And yet, what do we see them do? Okay, cool. I'll go do that. Cool. I'll go be faithful with what you've told me to do, Jesus. When you see a need, and when you think of all the possible solutions with what God has already given to you, and you put what you have in God's hand and let him bless it, let him multiply it, the next and final step is to just simply be faithful with whatever he tells you to do. Just go out and be faithful. And listen, it may not always make sense, 
for the disciples, I think the, I mean, I think that they would have been like, dude, this does not make sense. 50, why 50? Why not 100? Why not 25, right? I mean, it just, it's, there's no reasoning here. And yet they don't question it. They just go out and they simply do it. And they are faithful with what God is telling them to do. What if you could put it in God's hands, let him bless it, let him multiply it, and then just be faithful to do what God is telling you to do? What could you accomplish with Jesus with this model? I mean, if you were to simply say, hey, here's a need that I feel. I feel compassion for this. I can't do it on my own. I've thought of solutions. Here's what I've got, Jesus. You bless it and multiply it, and you just tell me what to do, and I'll go be faithful. I mean, man, how much more peace over that situation would you feel? Because I don't know about you, but when I see a need, man, there's like something that stirs in me and it's just unsettling, right? But how much more peace could you have if you were to simply say, yeah, but this is where I feel God's leading me to. And I know it doesn't make sense. I know it sounds crazy, but you know what? I have a peace about it. Dave read this verse earlier for us, or a few verses, Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. I want to read it again to you. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lead on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Look at this. And it will be healing to your flesh, refreshment to your bones. Man, I don't know about you, but when we feel this like stirring inside of us and and we just feel unsettled, how refreshing would it be to have healing to our flesh and refreshment to our bones. Guys, that only comes through trusting God and not leaning on your own understanding of, hey, this doesn't really make sense. I don't know why we're doing this. Um, Can't we go do something else? Um, That doesn't really make sense. I don't know why Jesus is telling us to do this. Well, let's go do something else. No, no, no. I trust in God and I'm just leaning on him and it brings refreshment and it brings peace to our lives. But that only comes through being faithful to what God has called us to do. So let me ask you a question. What need do you feel that God has put on your heart? Where do you feel uncontent, unsettled? Maybe there's a need, like I said, a, a more of a corporate need, where you're looking and you're saying, man, there's a problem in our country or in our community. Or maybe there's a more individualized need. And you're saying, Man, there's, there's this person that lives next to me, or I got this family member, I got this coworker, and man, they, they just need some help. Because Jesus called his disciples, when we talked about this last week in the setting out of the 12, we talked about how he called them to go proclaim the kingdom of God, but also to heal. You see, our God not only cares for us spiritually, he also cares for our physical bodies. And he says that if we're going to be on the mission with him, it involves both that there's this caring for the spiritual that we should proclaim the kingdom of God, but also that Jesus cares enough to feed people that are following him. That it's a both and, it's not an either or, but a both and. What need do you feel like you could meet? And say, man, I I don't know how this is going to happen, but this is the need that I feel called to. And so this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to be faithful with what God has given to me. I'm going to fulfill this need. And I know it doesn't make sense. I know it it makes no sense to go out and do this, but I'm going to try it because I'm going to be faithful with what God's given to me. Let me tell you, uh, when I was a youth pastor at my home church of Bethel, I felt a calling to 
uh, go to a church in need of revitalization. And I told some people of this calling, and I said, man, this is just what I feel like God's calling me to. And they go, like a little tiny dying church? And I was like, yeah, I know. It doesn't make sense. And they go, are you sure? Like, are you sure? That's In fact, I told uh, in the, when I was in the process of, of uh, interviewing with, with all of you, I told a few uh, people of, uh, of Hillside. I said, yeah, this is kind of their situation. And they go, yeah, this is like your first pastorate, right? Like your first senior pastorate. And I was like, yeah, I know. And they're like, and you're like 26? Yeah, I know. And this is the situation that they're in? Yeah, I know. Are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure? I said, yeah, this is what God's calling me to. I know it doesn't make any sense, but I have to be faithful with this. I have to be faithful with this. There's a couple of women from this church who came up to me not too long after I started, and they said, hey, uh, we feel this need to provide clothing for foster children. And we know it doesn't really make any sense, but we just feel led to do this. And there's this uh, a foster agency that is going to partner with us. And, and, and we think that Hillside would be a good location for it. There's nothing like this around here. But, you know, we just, do. can we get a classroom? And the church board and I said, no, 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 we don't want to give you a classroom. We want to give you a whole building. We've got a building out back that's not being used. Let's be faithful with what God's given us. I mean, that just doesn't make logical sense, right? I mean, we could say, well, we could put that better use and all these other things. And we go, yeah, but this is what God's given to us. Let's just simply be faithful with it. Let's just simply be faithful with it. To date, that foster closet has helped hundreds of children get the clothes that they need. Helped out dozens of foster families over and over and over again. Because when a foster child comes, oftentimes they have nothing but the clothes on their back. And here's the cool thing. Here's the amazing thing that God does. Did you know that Tammy and I have felt called to foster care ever since we've been dating? We knew that this is what God wanted us to do. And we hadn't shared that with anyone when we came here. And when they came up to me and said, hey, we think about this foster closet thing, I go, oh man, God, you're up to something. You're up to something here, God. And you know what? He led us to say, hey, we have this big building that we're not using for anything. What if we partnered with another ministry and they rented out our building? We give them a better rent than they could find anywhere else. And it kind of helps us to offset some utility costs. And I said, okay, yeah, but it's a 50-year-old basement. Does anyone really want a 50-year-old church basement? And in fact, when I brought up the idea to my wife, Tammy, she goes, you better not ask whites because they have a really nice office and that would be embarrassing to ask, right? I mean, it just doesn't make any logical sense. Not these things that God leads us to sometimes, it just doesn't make any sense. But then when I offered it to them, they go, man, that would be an amazing fit. Thank you so much. When can we sign the papers? I mean, it's just this amazing thing that God's got this in the plans. All we have to do is be faithful. And it looks daunting, right? If we were to see 20, 30, 40 years down the road, I mean, we would go, man, how are we going to do that? You know the way, what we do? We just take little faithful step by little faithful step by little faithful step. We don't have to take leaps and bounds. We just go, I'm going to be faithful today and tomorrow and next week and next year and the next decade down the road and just be faithful day in and day out. This is how we follow Jesus. And this is how we partner with him to fulfill his mission of bringing his kingdom here on earth. We're just faithful day in and day out.
no matter what he calls us to. And we say, God, this is what you've given me. I'm going to let you bless it. I'm going to let you multiply it. And I'm just going to be faithful. I'm just going to be faithful. Let me ask you, what could you accomplish with God if you were faithful with what he's given to you? If you were faithful to what he's calling you to? Faithful to these needs that you see? And we're not, we're, we're not Jesus. We're not the Savior of the world. We know ultimately there's very little that we can do. But through God, we can accomplish amazing things. All we have to do is be faithful. Even a little tiny church can be faithful. We just say, all right, Jesus, this is what we're giving you. We we're giving you what we have. And we're going to be faithful with it. And we want you to bless it. We want you to multiply it. And we'll distribute it. We'll go out and be faithful. What if we could do that, church? What if we could just take little baby step after little baby step after little baby step with our marriages, with our finances, in our homes, with our children, in our jobs, with the things that God has given us, our talents? I mean, what if we could just say, God, I don't have the power on my own, but you do. I'm going to give it to you. You bless it. You multiply it. And I'll be faithful to do the things that you're calling me to do. Let's be those kind of people. Let's be that church. Let me pray for you. Jesus, again, we just thank you for everything. We thank you for giving us everything that we have, our time, our ability, our resources, our finances. And so help us to be faithful with it. Because we know, Jesus, that we can't do a whole lot in our own power. But if we hand it over to you, you can bless it that you can multiply it, and that we could do amazing things through you and with you, Jesus. So help us to do that. Help us to be the kind of people that say, you know what, we want to be faithful. Help us to be faithful. Help us to be good stewards. And we're not going to do just things that we want to see, just our own preferences. But Jesus, we want to see your kingdom come right here on earth. Your will be done, God. Not mine, but yours. Bring your kingdom here. On earth as it is in heaven, Jesus, as you pray. We want to see that come. Help us to be faithful. Because we know that you are a great God. A God who can accomplish amazing things. And we just want to partner with you to accomplish those things. And as we do, we know, Jesus, that we'll grow in our relationship with you. And so, Father, I pray for each and every one of us that we would be faithful to what you're calling us to. And I pray that we would continually be faithful day in and day out, year in, year out, decade in, decade out, God, with our finances, with our family, our marriages, with what the resources that you've given to us. Jesus, we love you because you first loved us. Help us to love you the best way we can by being faithful because you are an amazing God. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.